Thank you, Jewel. Once again, very beautifully done. Welcome, welcome. We're glad that you are here this morning at West Lonsdale and joining us for worship. We pray that you've already had a worshipful encounter with him this morning as we've gotten started with worship. Um, we are glad that you are here and a part of uh, our services today. And um, I encourage you over the next few minutes just to um, listen with an open heart to what God might say to you this morning. Um, I think so many times we come in expectation of hearing the pastor's voice, but maybe we don't necessarily come in expectation of hearing God speak to our hearts. And so I pray this morning that as we hear God's message, that we would hear God's voice and it would resonate within our hearts and that we would leave here challenged, that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here focused and committed on what God wants to do um, within our lives as individuals, within our families, um, within our church. God wants to work in magnificent ways in each and every one of us. And He's only hindered by our uh, ability to let go and let God do. And I, if you're like me, then uh, you like to be kind of in control of what's going on around you. And when we're not, then we feel a little bit panicked. Um, maybe some of you are better at letting go than I am. Maybe some of you are better at just letting life happen to you. I don't handle life happening to me very well. I like to be in kind of control of my surroundings. And when we kind of take our hands off the wheel and we let God infiltrate into the deepest parts of our lives and we let Him begin to impact and, and affect every choice and every decision and every direction, then, then we realize that we are not in control. And that's a scary place to be. I remember riding my, learning to ride a bike one time when I was younger. And, and, and um, the bike that I learned to ride was, uh, it was a girl's bike. It was red, white, and blue. And it had this long banana seat on it. And um, we lived just down the road from Arlington Baptist Church. We lived about five houses down from Arlington Baptist Church. Arlington Baptist Church had a, a large parking lot that appeared to be flat upon uh, its initial evaluation. But when you're learning to ride a bicycle, you figure out very quickly that it's not actually flat. It actually has a slope to it. And so for some reason, my parents, God bless them, they were great parents and they were very attentive and they watched after us. But for some reason on this particular day, they decided it would be fine to let my sisters take me up to the parking lot and figure out how to um, ride my bike. Now, these are the same sisters who they left in charge of watching me when I was learning to ski. And the robe came out of my hands, hooked onto my ski, pulled me under the water, and my sisters, who were supposed to be watching in case I fell, were talking and failed to notice that I was drowning behind the boat. And so, you know, my mom was driving, my dad was in the water with me, I was drowning under the boat, my sisters were arguing about something, and, and so they decided that these were the girls that they should send me up to the parking lot with to learn how to ride my bike, and so... They start with me and I'm riding in a circle and they figure I'm doing pretty good. So they do what they do well. They let go and they start talking to each other. And as they're talking, I'm doing a circle. And as you know, the circle's going downhill. And so the circle gets wider because I'm going faster. And I'm now spinning out of control. 
I have no control over this bicycle. This demon bicycle is now taking me wherever it wants to take me. I'm screaming and holding on for dear life, and I suddenly go spiraling out of control out of the parking lot into a hedge of thorns that were sitting between the parking lot and the house next to the parking lot. I go flying into this, this, this bushel of thorns, and I come out, and I'm crying. I was a wimpy kid, so I was crying, and, and I was just like, you know, you all tried to kill me, and they were like, no, he didn't. Don't tell mom and dad. And we go back down there, and I'm like, what am I going to tell them? Like, I'm, I look like I've been in a fight with a tiger. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to just walk in like everything's normal? And, and so I go down there, and, and, and I learned quickly then that when things get out of control, people get hurt. <laughs> And so I decided at that point in life, I was like, I just need to be in control of everything in my life. And if I'm in control of everything in my life, then I don't have to worry about it, right? So when things start to spiral out of control, I automatically think back to when I was five years old learning to ride a bike and my sisters tried to kill me. And so um, I just decide, hey, that's not... And sometimes we equate that to our relationship with God. Not that God wants to kill us, but that being out of control of our life and someone else being in control is very, very uncomfortable. Like it's a moment that we sit back and go, I don't know, I don't know if I like this or not. And so as we go through this series that we started last week, this idea of moving forward as individual believers and as a church, as we journey through this, one thing that we need to learn is that in order to truly move forward in Christ, we have to let Christ be in control, which means we're not. I mean, let's be honest, we're joking ourselves when we tell ourselves we are anyway. Like, I, I talk about that all the time. I tell you guys that all the time. Like, at no point in our life are we in control of our own life. Like, we, we, we want to imagine that we are, but we're not. Like, we are at the mercy of so many factors in life. The top of that, which is God, who sustains all life throughout the, the, the universe. Right? And so, that is not an admission on my part that there is extraterrestrial life when I say God sustains all life throughout the universe. Like, God sustains everything throughout the universe. If you want to talk to me about extraterrestrial life, we'll talk about that. There's not any, but that's okay. Um, so we, we get to this, this point where we have to take our hands off and we have to admit that God is in control and that we are not in control if we truly want to move forward in what Christ can do in our life. And so last week we looked at five steps, five steps that we can make in the direction of God's will for our own individual life. Like, we're only as strong as the church is our weakest link. We're only as strong as, as the believers in the church are strong in their personal relationship with Christ. And so if we're not grabbing a hold of God's personal will for our life, if we're not saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, to embrace what God's plan and what God's will for my life is, then we will struggle as a church to ever reach our maximum potential because as individuals we're still going through identity crisis as to who we really are. And, and, and many of us are going through that. Many of us have been going through that for years. We run hot and cold. There are moments in our life where God is our everything. And then there are moments in our life where God is buried somewhere deep in the back corner of the closet that we stuff everything in when people are coming over. Right? Like there's, there's those moments when God is as distant from us as we can possibly be. We're still going to church. We're still in Sunday school. We're still on the teams and the committees. We're still, you know, going on the trips. We're still doing all that. But we're as distant from God as we possibly could be. And there's other moments in life where, where we, we thrive on God's 
every movement in our life. But until we decide that consistently we're going to move towards God's will and purpose and plan for our life, which is ever-evolving and ever-changing and ever-moving, new facets of it are being unfolded before us all the time. We never hit a point where God says, Whoop, they did it. They accomplished my will for their life. I guess they can just live the rest of it on their own. Right? It's always unfolding, always new. If we're not constantly doing that, then as a church, a church can never reach its maximum potential. It can never reach its, its maximum fulfillment because every member has a role and a place and a purpose within the church. And if we're not letting God lead in our life, then we will never, never fully step into that role that God has appointed for us in the church. Like none of you were here because God just wants you to sit and listen and consume. He doesn't want that for you. He wants you to be a vital part Intricately woven into the fabric of who West Lonsdale Baptist Church is. And so if we're not pursuing God's will, if we're not taking step towards knowing God's will in our own personal life, then we'll never move forward as a church. So this morning I want us to look at another facet of that. This morning I want us to look at, at, at God's plans. And, and I want us to recognize and understand that there is a, a, a complicated depth to every plan that God has ever put into motion. For every individual, for every church, for every organization, when God puts a plan into motion, there is a depth to that plan that sometimes we fail to understand and realize. We live in a simple day. We live in a day where we want things as simple as possible. Just give me the bottom line, let's move on. Like, used to, when you went to a car lot, it was like a a five-hour marathon game show. Right? Like you would go to a car lot and you were like, man, I got, I've got my, my bottom line in my back pocket and we're going to take four hours to get there. Right? And, and you're going to concede and I'm going to concede and you're going to give me free drinks and you're going to give me snacks and we're going to talk about it and I'm going to walk out and act like I'm not going to buy it and you're going to go talk to your, your fabricated manager a few times while you guys sit and talk about the ball game and then you're going to come back in and tell me what you can do. We're going to go back and forth. Now, that's not the way it is, right? Like we walk on the we walk on the lot. We want to know haggle price. We want to. I bought my last car online. Like I bought it online. I didn't even talk to a person. I bought it online at one o'clock in the morning. Like we want things simple, right? Like we want one button on the on the microwave. It's not enough that I have to figure out how much time I need to put something in the microwave. I just need a button with the name of it on my microwave, right? Like popcorn, baked potato, right? Like all I need. I just need a button with a name on it. Just simplify it. Give it to me at bottom line. Okay? We don't have to think about what number a channel is anymore. If you're with Comcast, you can speak to your remote control, right? Some of the, the dish networks do it now too. You can speak to your remote control. I don't have to remember the number. I can just say the name of the show. And if I can't remember the name of the show, I can just say a line from the show or the movie and it'll pop up on my screen, right? Forget getting up and walking to my television and changing the channel. Forget looking in the TV guide. I just got to speak it. I just, I need it right now. And we've done God a disservice in that we have made his plans in our mind the same way. Right? Like, God, give me your plan. Make it quick. Make it easy. Make it understandable. Make it simple. And I will go do it. Right? Like, 
I've talked to people before and be like, hey, what, what, what was this all about? Like, why did you do this? Man, God just told me to go and I went. Listen, never in the history of God's interaction with man did God just say go. God has never just said go. Go and is what God says. Go and. Because if God just says go, where am I going? What am I doing? What's my end goal? What am I trying to accomplish? What are the results? How do I measure that? How do I know? Right? Because if God says go, I'm just, I'm just going. I'm just Forrest Gump all of a sudden. I just decided to run. And so I ran. Right? If God says go, I have to have a destination. There is a complexity and a depth to God's plan. But we live in a society where we want instant gratification. We want everything right now. We want it laid out for us. We want it as simple as possible. Just, let's just get through it. Let's make it. Let's be done with it. But God's plans aren't that way. Look at this. I want you to look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Kind of a, a weird verse for the, for the foundation of this message. But look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Do I have that one in there? I don't have that one in there? That's all right. I have a Bible. So here we go. Luke chapter 9. I don't know how I missed that one. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself or give up his selfish ways and take up his cross daily and follow me. Very simple command, right? Jesus is saying, this is that come and follow me command, right? Like, but he says, if anyone wants to come and follow me, then you can do that. But he didn't just say, come follow me, did he? Like he didn't say that to the disciples, right? He said, come follow me and what? I will make you fishers of men. Right? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's a, that's a ridiculous statement. Like the disciples didn't even know what that meant. They weren't even disciples at the time. They were fishermen. They didn't even know what that meant. He said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They're like, what? Okay. Like there comes a moment where we have to understand that there is a depth and a complexity to God's plans that we aren't going to know right off the bat. But we just have to say, oh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to, let's see what this is all about, God. Let's just step that way. Let's just step into it. And so here, Christ is is teaching on this idea of following Him. It seems like a very simple, simple thing, right? Follow me. Just follow me. Listen, I am Jesus. I am God. Come follow me. But then He says this, but if anyone is going to follow me, then they must what? They must deny their very nature. <laughs> That's not real simple. Like, if you want to follow me, you must deny your very human nature. Give up your selfish ways. Like, give up your selfishness. Give up your selfish thoughts. Give up your selfish desires. Give up all of that. Right? And, and follow me. Right? Like, take up your cross. Like, take up all that stuff. All of that, that, that baggage. All of that struggle. You've got to take it up every day. You guys say, today may not be any prettier. Today may not be any better. I say, you think that Jesus didn't wake up every morning and know that he was, it was as good of a day as it might be, it was one day closer? 
It was one step closer to crucifixion day. And so he says here, listen, my plan is for you to follow me. Seems very simple, but there's a depth to this idea of following me that you have to comprehend. So this morning I want us to look at this idea of, of, of depth in God's plans. And I want us to look at, at, at three areas that we can see that the depth of God's plans always are. Right? Like, like when God starts to unfurl a plan before us, when God starts to, to give us a vision, when God starts to give us a, a direction, right? there are three components that are always there that if we will keep in mind, then we won't give up so easily. How many times have we said, I believe that this is God's plan for us, I believe that this is God's vision for us, and, and then we get started and then we're like, man, this is hard. Or, man, this is complicated. Or, man, this is time-consuming. Or, man, this is, this is more than I thought it would be. Or, man, this is confusing. And so we just give it up and we just walk away. Like, if you ever started in a ministry within the church and didn't complete that ministry, that's what I'm talking about. Because you jumped into it, we didn't quite fully understand it, or we thought it would be something different than we thought it would be, or we thought it would be simpler than we thought it would be, or we thought it would be easier than we thought it would be, and then we got in there and we realized how complicated it was, we realized how time-consuming it was, we realized how, how complex it was, and we just said, forget that, and that's more than I bargained for. Or I'm never going to get this done, so I'm just going to walk away. Right? And so there's three areas that we need to keep in mind as we move forward in 2020 to understand and realize God's full plans for us as a church. The first thing that we see is this. The depth of God's plans are always unexpected. We never expect quite how, how full and deep God's plans are. Like we, we want the go command. We want God just to say, hey, it's okay, just go. Just start moving. Right? Just go. That's it. But the depth of God's plans many times are unexpected. Like we, we don't really quite grasp in the beginning how deep God wants us to go and be as we move forward in these plans. We're going to look at some Old Testament examples this morning. We're going to start with this idea of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Um, Abraham didn't quite grasp or understand the depth of God's plan for him. Look, the Lord has said to Abraham, this is, or Abram, this is in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, let me tell her we're going to stay there for a minute, so I'm going to run back through that in just a second. So, let, let's talk about this for a second. When we talk about Abraham and God's plan for Abraham, what do we always say? What was God's plan for Abraham? Somebody tell me. Do what? Make the nation of Israel, right? We, we say, God's plan for Abraham was, I'm going to make a great nation of you, right? Now, this was completely unexpected to begin with because he was an old man. He didn't have any kids, all right? So, so this was like a really unexpected, like, surprise moment, right? But God's plan was unexpected in this. 
We've simplified it, right? Because we want things simple. What was his plan? I'm going to make a great nation of you. Was that? Was that the plan? That was the end result of the plan. But let's look at the plan. Go back to verse 1 there, Tyler. In verse 1, it says, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Step one of the plan. Leave everything you know and go to a place you don't know. I will make you into a great nation. There we go. That's the part that we pull out. That's the part that we cherry pick. We pluck that part out we go, listen, the end result. What was the end result? Give me the end result. It's going to make you a mighty nation, right? That's the end result. But look at this. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous. Did you know that part of God's plan for Abraham was to make him famous? Like that, that's, we talk about fame many times as if it's a curse in this life. We're like, oh, fame. You know why we talk about fame as if it's a curse? Because we're jealous of all the things that come with it most of the time. We don't have it. So we're like, oh, fame, that's good. My, my sister and I had a conversation one time, and she said, apparently it is very, very difficult to overcome the lure of power and money because very few people navigate power and money without being corrupted by it. And I said, you are so right, sister, but I sure wish I had the chance to see if I had it. To t- <laughs> I wish I could see if I was made out of what we could get through it, right? That would be awesome. He said, I will, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Go on to verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Listen, the depth of God's plan here is unexpected. Because He tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation, but here's the depth of that plan to get you there. Leave what you know. Go to what you don't know. Right? Trust me. Listen to me. I'm going to make you famous. Fame is going to come with this. Blessing is going to come with this. Protection is going to come with this. Cursing is going to come with this. Every family on earth will be blessed through you. Like there is an unexpected quality that comes with this promise of, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. I'm going to make you, an old man with no family, into a great nation. But not just that, but here's what's coming with this. The unexpectedness is the beauty of the plan. In the process of creating a people that God could showcase His love through, His provision through, and His forgiveness through for centuries, allowing all people to see how God could and would care for them. He brought it about in an unexpected way. A way that was undeniably God. Like through Abram, who would become Abraham, God created a people where He showcased His ability to forgive and love over and over and over and over again for centuries so that we had a picture by picture look at God's plan of forgiveness and salvation for us through His chosen people Israel. But the depth of that plan was so unexpected. Like, Abraham could have never guessed in his lifetime the impact 
that God's plan for his life would have on the entirety of humanity and the history of the world. And yet God's plan had such an unexpected depth to it. The second thing is this. The depth of God's plans are always well prepared. They're always well prepared. We, we may not get to the point that we recognize the preparation that God has done. We may not stick with the plan long enough to get that. But God's plans are always well prepared. There have been many moments in my life where I have sat back and I have looked and I have gone, you know, I can see now 20 years of God's movement and positioning to get to this one point. Like there are times in my life when I've told my wife, there's times in my life when I've told Jeff, there's times in my life when I've told others in my life, I, I can now see like there's things that I went through in life and I went, God, why am I even, why am I even here? Like why am I, why am I dealing with this? I'm like, like, God, why did you uproot me and move my family to a, a church that I wasn't at for even a, a year and a half that, that, that had so many complications and heartbreaks associated with it? Why did I experience that? And then I, I get it and I look at certain things in my life and I go, oh, that all makes sense now. Right? Like, like God's plans are always so well prepared. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 6. Let's look at the story of Noah for a minute. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures. For they have filled the earth with violence, and yes, I will wipe them out, uh, wipe them all out along with the earth. So build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. God gave such specific plans that we have, to our best abilities, have recreated something that was built centuries and centuries and centuries ago. God didn't tell Noah, build a boat. Now, in our simplified world, that's, that's what we've reduced it to. God told Noah, I'm going to destroy the world, build a boat. First of all, it wasn't really a boat, right? It was a, a floating, life-saving device, okay? It, had no, it, wasn't, it wasn't in any way designed to go anywhere. It was designed to stay afloat, okay? But we say, God said to Noah, I'm going to destroy the world, build a boat. Well, first of all, God said, I'm going to destroy the world, and here's why. Like, He didn't just say, I'm going, to wipe out, I'm going to wipe out the world. He said, I'm going to destroy the world, and here's why. Man has become so evil, and so violent, and so vile, so contradictory to me, that I'm going to destroy everybody and the world. Like, I'm just going to wipe it out. I'm going to rearrange it all. The global flood reconstructed everything. But then he says, here's what I want you to build. And he begins to lay out a very detailed plan. And he not only, if you go in and read in this, he not only lays out a plan for how to build it, he lays out a plan for how everything is going to unfold from there. He lays out a plan of, of, of this is how you're going to, this is what you're going to bring into the boat, uh, the, the ark. This is how they're going to come. This is when you're going to leave. This is who you're going to bring. It was a very detailed plan. And because Noah kept going through one step at a time, 
over a long period of time where people sat around and made fun of him and laughed at him and ridiculed him and threatened him. And all of those things, all the things that are enough to deter us, all the things that are enough to make us go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going any farther. Or like, I'm done. God, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm done because this is just too hard. This is too difficult. And yet Noah endured because there was a, there was a plan, a very detailed plan that every time Noah would accomplish one thing, God would, un, he would unveil another part of the plan. He never just said, here it is, here it all is. Noah, this is it. It's done. Have at it. There was a plan. And nowhere did Noah go, okay, God, I got this idea. Like, when I'm done, I build this thing. And you're going to destroy the earth. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to destroy the earth. You're going to flood it. Whatever that means. We're going to survive. Then what do we do? Like, what do we do from there, God? You tell me what we do from there, and I'll go forward. How many times do we want God to give us the end result before we move forward? And God just says, listen, I've got a plan. The, the depth of God's plans are always well prepared. We've said, well, how am I or how are we supposed to do that when what we're doing is looking at God's lens through our preparedness? Like we, look, we go, God, that's your plan. This, I, these are the tools that I have. How am I supposed to do that? And God says, just start moving. And I'll get you there. Right? Like step one of the plan is understand there's a plan. Step two is start moving towards the plan and I'll give you what you need as you go. Like I'll give you what you need as I go. How many churches do we know that refuse to step out into ministry because they don't have the resources to do the ministry? Here's what I know. If God calls you into a ministry, you have the resources to do the ministry. Because God wouldn't call you to it if He wasn't going to provide the resources. He wouldn't call you to it if you didn't already possess the resources, but maybe you just misunderstand how to expend the resources that you have. God's plans are always well prepared. And the third is this. The depth of God's plans are always strategic. They're always strategic. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 says this. This is the story of Moses. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, uh, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is His name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. 
Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for um, articles of silver and gold and find clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. This is um, this idea of a strategic plan. Listen, strategy was in place. Moses said, he's talking to a bush now. Moses says, what do you mean? Who am I? Right? Like, who, who am I to go to the elders of Egypt? And who am I to go to the Pharaoh of Egypt? The most powerful man in the world right now. Like, who am I? And God says, you are exactly who I made you to be. Naturally Hebrew. Right? You are natural. You are naturally a Hebrew. You were born to Hebrew parents. Right? Like, you are Hebrew by nature. But yet, you're Egyptian in manner. Because you were raised in the court of the Pharaoh. You were raised by Egyptian royalty. Right? Like you understand the Egyptian people better than anyone else. You are Hebrew by birthright. You are a strategic anomaly. And I have put you in the perfect place. God never just throws out superfluous details. Like He never just says... Oh, hey, you know, just, it'll be okay. Just start moving in that direction. Right? Like, he's very strategic in the way that he goes about it. Moses, he debunks God. He says, listen, I don't want to do this. What should I say? Like, what am I going to say to the people of Israel? Right? Like, what am I going to say to the Hebrew leaders? What am I going to walk into their part of town and tell them? And God says, this is what you're going to tell them. He lays out every facet of the conversation. And then you're going to tell them this. And then you're going to tell them this. And then they're going to buy into it. Right? They're going to buy into it. Because they're going to see that because of, of, of your heritage, that your heart is for your people. And then you're going to go to the court of the Pharaoh. And he's going to let you in. Why? Because you're family. He's going to let you in. And then this is what you're going to tell him. Oh, and by the way, he's not going to agree. So then I'm going to make things really rough on him. So rough that in the end, he's going to put you out and he's going to finance your trip. But do you get that? God said you will strip them of their wealth. Like they didn't just leave 
on their own accord. They left with Egypt's blessing at first and their stuff. God is so strategic in the way that He does His plans. God places a little church in a community a hundred years ago for a purpose right now. There's no accident. There's no, oops, why is that church there? There's no, oh man, how did that one show up? Like we drive around and we go, man, there's a church on every corner. You know, what can they, what can they possibly do? Listen, any church that is there because someone planted it because God led them, it is there for strategic purpose. It's not there necessarily just because. It's there because God had a purpose and a plan for it. The depth of God's plans are always strategic. Like God never just throws a plan out there just for the fun of it. He's never like, let's just see how this turns out. <laughs> oh, this will be fun, right? Like God always has a strategy to his plans. There's always a purpose. Why did Moses get put in a basket, sailed down a river, and found by a handmaiden in the court of Pharaoh? Because God had planned out the salvation of his people from Egypt and their slavery. And he did it through a Hebrew who looked Egyptian. We have to understand when it comes to God's plans that there's a complicated depth to them and they won't just be done in a day. They won't just be done in one sitting. They won't just be accomplished in a month, six months, or a year. Sometimes they are hundreds of years in the making. Sometimes we are simply a piece of God's plan. We are just simply a part of it. We are not the culmination of it. And so we have to understand that God's plans are deep and God's plans are complicated and God's plans are rich and God's plans are full. And we have to commit ourselves to accomplishing what God puts out in front of us. Not just going, but going and whatever God has for us when we get there. If we go into it with that mindset, then at the first sign of trouble, we don't throw up our hands and go, man, I'm out. At the first signs of fatigue, we don't just go, man, I'm just so tired. At the first sign of complication, we don't go, I don't have time for this. At the first sign of struggle, we don't go, man, I'm out of here. Right? But we go, I know whatever this hurdle is, God has intentionality for it. He has a purpose for it. He has a plan for it. God's plan is deep. It is rich. And I may not understand it all right now, but I'm going to push forward. Right? Like I'm going to push through. I'm going to, I'm going to move on one foot in front of the other. Knowing that I'm stepping into God's grace. Knowing that I'm stepping into God's plan. Knowing that I'm stepping into God's provision. The only time Moses struggled was when he took things into his own hand. But any time he stayed within God's plan, things went exactly the way they were supposed to. There's a depth to God's plans. And if we're going to move forward, we have to lose a simplistic mindset of God's plan for us. Sometimes it's hard to tell people, hey, things are going to be complicated and things are going to be difficult and things are going to be a struggle because people don't want to hear that. Right? Like They want to hear it's going to be easy. God's plan is easy and it's simple. And it doesn't come with heartache. And it doesn't come with struggle. 
And it doesn't come with you having to fight. And it doesn't come with all this. It's just simple. God says, do it. It happens. You're done. You go to bed that night. Wake up the next morning. God lays something else out there in front of you. But that's not the way God's plans always are. They're deep and they're complicated. And sometimes they are easy and sometimes they are a struggle. Sometimes they come with heartache and pain and sometimes they come with ease. But I know this. God is always prepared and He's always strategic and He always has you in the place that He wants you if you're willing to go. You just simply have to say, okay, God, I'm willing. Let's move forward. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we just come to You this morning and Lord, the purpose of today's message is to move us on into this idea of understanding that You want to do so much more with us. That You are not done with us. That You have so many more steps for us to go through. But God, we can't do that as a church if we aren't willing to do that as an individual believer. And so Lord, just as we looked last week at the fact that we need to be moving towards Your will, Lord, this week we see that Your will, Your plan is, is, is richly complicated and deep. Multiple layers. And that we just have to start moving forward and working our way through one level at a time. Instead of trying to comprehend the whole plan and being overwhelmed, we simply just move into what You've placed in front of us at that moment. So God, I pray this morning that You would speak to the heart of each believer. And first, Lord, allow us to, to determine within our own heart and our own mind if we know You as Savior. For God, we can never accomplish Your will. We can never accomplish Your plan if we aren't Your child. So God, may everyone here just evaluate themselves and come to terms with whether or not they've ever had a moment in their life where they've said, yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life and save me. And if not, God, today You're calling them to salvation. You're calling them to be Your child. You're calling them to relationship with You. Forgiveness is waiting. Salvation is here. Jesus, maybe we're here today and we know You, Lord, and we're, we're one to quickly dump and run. God, we're one to quickly want the simple, want the easy, want the fast satisfaction, the instant gratification. And Lord, we struggle to, to follow through with whatever You put in front of us. Because God, we've never understood that You put plans in front of us that are Richly deep. And God, they're a process. So Lord, may we come to grips today, Lord, with the fact that if we say yes, Lord, I'm willing to serve You, it won't always be easy. It won't always be simple. But Lord, it will always be You. And as long as we're in You, then there is no better place for us to be. So Jesus, maybe You're dealing with individual believers here on their role in the church, their role in your plan, God. just Maybe you're just dealing with them as to whether or not you have a purpose for them. God, whatever it may be, I pray that as we come into this time of response, that if you're speaking to hearts today, God, that we would just have the strength and the courage to respond to you, Jesus. And we ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask